Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Osteoarthritis is a degenerative joint disease that affects somewhere between 27 and 30 million Americans. It's a chronic condition that can cause pain and stiffness. Osteoarthritis can make movement difficult, and yet one of the best ways to manage osteoarthritis is to move. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, we'll talk about hip and knee osteoarthritis with physical therapist Marianne Wilmarth, who doesn't just treat people with osteoarthritis, but also lives with the condition too. Here's our conversation with Marianne Wilmarth. Marianne, today we're going to talk about osteoarthritis of the hip and knee, um, but there are different types of arthritis. So just as a starting point, when we're talking about osteoarthritis, what are we talking about in general? With osteoarthritis, we're talking about the type of arthritis that is the wear and tear type of arthritis. Arthritis in general covers like more than 100 different types of arthritis and that includes osteoarthritis. Um, Within the country, arthritis is actually the leading cause of disability in the United States. There are more than 50 million adults um, and actually more than 300,000 children with arthritis. Now, that includes both the osteoarthritis and the other types of arthritis, which include um, the autoimmune and the inflammatory arthritis types. And with those, there are more than 100 different types. So there's a lot more of the other types of arthritis, which include like gout, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. So there's there's a lot more of those um, types of arthritis and different, you know, smaller numbers, but overall there are very many different diagnoses um, than the osteoarthritis. But with the osteoarthritis, there is a large number um, of people who do have it um, because, you, as you can imagine, you know, people get wear and tear as they go throughout their lives, um, and that's easy to happen. And so um, that's what people usually um, hear about. It's like the wear and tear type of arthritis. Um, it can happen to people um, just normally throughout their lives. Um, it can also happen if somebody's had, you know, a sports injury um, that can you know, exacerbate or speed up sometimes um, the wear and tear that you have in a joint, say in a knee or an ankle or shoulder, or if somebody's had a work injury, you know, a motor vehicle accident, things like that can actually speed up the the process of the wear and tear. Um, So you have to be careful with the biomechanics and, you know, the ergonomics of what's happening in your body because you want things in the bones to be in the best alignment possible so that you can try and keep that wear and tear to a minimum because you just have the one body that you're dealing with and you want to make sure that the the bones continue to have the the cartilage, which is in between each of the bones. You've got cartilage on either end of the bones and sometimes you have, like in the knee, you have a meniscus in between, which gives you some cushioning, um, or in the spine you have a disc in between which gives some cushioning in between the bones, and those can kind of dry up as you 
get older and so you don't have as much cushioning or you can get a tear in the meniscus. Um, there's a number of different things that can happen. And then instead of having, you know, that nice little cushion there for movement, uh, you can get the bones actually closer together. And this can, again, be another reason why you can get more of that um, kind of wear and tear or the bones get closer, they tend to rub together. Sometimes people will hear, you know, some noises in the, the joints themselves, you know, literally hear kind of, kind of some crunching, things like that. Um, so this is what's called the osteoarthritis or the OA that you're speaking of. So when we're talking about this wear and tear that develops over time, and, and you mentioned how prevalent this is, um, for somebody that this wear and tear is starting to set in, they're starting to get symptoms of, uh, you know, osteoarthritis, whether it's in the hip, whether it's in the knee, no matter no matter where it is, um, what typically will that feel like or manifest itself? You mentioned sometimes people actually sort of hear potentially this rubbing, but, but in general, are people feeling pain first or feeling limited first? What are usually the symptoms that lead someone to realize they may have this condition? It can vary um, from person to person. They're actually staged. Um, there's stages of osteoarthritis. Um, so, for example, if somebody is going in um, to have their knee assessed, which is a common area of osteoarthritis, um, one because that's a you know a difficult area, and the knee is a tough joint because it's not a ball and socket like the hip. And, you know, some people may argue that it's not the best design joint that we have because uh, you've got two joints that kind of one on top of the other, the femur over the tibia, and then you've got this kneecap that kind of floats on the top. And so if your muscles aren't very strong, um, it's very easy to put a lot more stress on it. Um, and then if you, you know, say are overweight or um, you twist the wrong way or um, it's just easy to get a lot of stress on it. So that's one that people um, will tend to get osteoarthritis in very frequently. And they have actual different stages um, that they will rate the osteoarthritis. So stage zero is the normal, so that you don't have any osteoarthritis. Stage one would be if you had you know, say very minor, like little bone spurs or something where you're predisposed to osteoarthritis, but you're not really feeling anything at that point. You know, if you had an x-ray, somebody might be able to pick something out, but you're not noticing anything at that point in time, and you're just going about your business and your activities. Uh, a stage two would be a mild osteoarthritis, and that's where you might start to get some minor symptoms. So, for example, after you go for a walk or a run, whatever your typical activities are, you might be a little achy afterwards. Um, you know, it kind of goes away on its own. Um, it's not too much. You know, some people might notice it. Some people might not think much of it. They're like, hmm, you know, I feel, feel a little bit achy, but it goes away, um, you know, afterwards or they wake up the next morning and it's gone. Stage three is where you've got moderate osteoarthritis. There's, you know, obvious um, damage, um, some wear and tear on an x-ray um, with the bones. 
you might be starting to get a little bit of swelling. You know, if we're talking about the knee, around the knee itself, um, you know, you've got a little bit more pain after walk, after run, um, you know, after your activities. And then at stage four is where you have severe osteoarthritis. This is where, you know, the cartilage is really worn out. It's almost gone for many people. Um, it may be completely gone. Um, you, you can get to the point where, you know, all the cartilage has worn off and you have bone on bone. And these are the people who definitely, um, you know, will need a total knee replacement because it's, you know, quite uncomfortable not to have any cartilage in there and have the bones rubbing one against the other. Um, these people tend to be in a, a great deal of pain, um, you know, most of the time. So those are the, the four stages that, you know, the orthopedic surgeon would rate um, somebody when they're looking at the x-rays and then looking at the knee and assessing it. I described some of the pain, but the other thing, um, you'll notice the pain, swelling, you know, a little bit of swelling that will get progressively worse um, as the stages go on. The other thing that people will typically notice is stiffness. You know, the worse it gets, the more stiff the joints will get. You know, it will come on gradually. The thing with osteoarthritis is that, you know, once you start moving it, it will start to loosen up. So it's it likes the movement just like a WD-40. It likes to get lubricated. You know, once you get moving, you know, if you start walking, at first it's stiff, but once you get going, it feels better. But on the other hand, you don't want to overdo it. You can't do nothing, but you can't do too much. Um, but exercise is good for it, but you have to find the right exercise to do. So um, you want to make sure that you're doing some exercise to get things moving, to make sure that they're loose and not staying stiff, because if they are stiff, it will be more uncomfortable. And you want to make sure you maintain the range of motion, because if you don't, they'll get stiffer and stiffer and become more uncomfortable and you're not getting those joints moving and keeping things maintained for the range of motion, for the flexibility, and for the muscle strength, which helps with that as well. So you mentioned uh, one of the options for this is a, a replacement, and so that's one of the reasons we're talking about both hip and knee OA because uh, hip and knee replacements have become so common uh, in this country and, and uh, because their success rate continues to go up. Um, so that's one of the options that sometimes people go to uh, when they have osteoarthritis. Um, but, you know, as you also alluded to, it's not necessarily the, the only um, option. So for, for someone who starts to, who has a lower level of osteoarthritis, you know, what, what can they do instead of going the surgery route? What are their options for treatment? The first thing that you want to do is to make sure that you're doing some form of exercise. As physical therapists, we've always, you know, had people exercising and known that it's been very important to do that. Um, more and more studies have been coming out um, showing the importance of exercise, um, no matter what you're looking at, whether it's, you know, the joints or your heart or for diabetes. So it's not only good for your joints, but systemically as well. So exercise is the most important thing for you to do. So you want to make sure that you're on a good program of exercise and doing the right types of exercises. You know, if you're comfortable 
with an exercise program that you're doing, you want to make sure that you're just maintaining that and, you know, following um, the American College of Sports Medicine and doing like 150 minutes of some kind of aerobic-type exercise each week. Um, and if you have osteoarthritis, you want to watch that you're not doing high-impact-type exercises. So the OA3, like walking, swimming, and biking. Um, and a lot of times people will do like a stationary bike, especially at first, and some people don't have access to an outdoor bike. So those are things that you can easily do that are lower impact um, for the joints. And depending on, you know, how things are feeling, you can modify those, and it gives you a good cross-training, which is very nice for the joints so that you're not always doing the same exercise. You want to mix it up for the muscles, for the joints, so that you get things moving in different ways and you're working different muscles. And then you also get in the pool, you get some un unweighting of the joints and you get some lengthening of the joints as well, um, which is excellent. I do recommend, um, you know, if you have osteoarthritis, to go see, you know, for example, a physical therapist and have even an assessment, you know, one time so that they could take a look and see how things are balanced, if you have any areas that you know, are tight with muscles, any restrictions. That way you can make sure that you're doing the right exercises. Um, it's easy to overlook something when you're doing it yourself or, you know, do something that you've been doing the same way for years and years and think that you're doing it the right way, but there might be something that's tight, say, for example, in the hip flexors on the front of the hip. You know, we sit a lot during the day. Those can get tight, and that can affect both the hip and the knee, and that will affect the biomechanics, you know, how you're walking, how you're running, and it can put more pressure on those joints, which you don't want. Um, it's very important for the muscles to be balanced both front to back, side to side, so that you're not putting an asymmetrical amount of, of pressure on the joints, um, because that will tend to make that wear and tear happen faster on the joints and you want it to either not have excess pressure on the joints or minimize it as much as possible. So if you can have somebody taking a look at that for you and advising you as to what exercises to do, that's very helpful for you. The other thing is that you want to be doing um, exercises for the whole body, too. You know, a lot of times people are thinking, well, I just need to make sure I'm doing exercises for the legs. But it really starts with the core. Um, your abdominal, your trunk, your core muscles have to be very strong so that you're not, again, putting too much stress down through the hips, down through the, the knees and the lower extremities. The core muscles are very strong. And you can do things like planks or if you're not strong enough to start with that, you know, some modified planks or other exercises. Um, there's plenty of things to choose from. And then you want to make sure that your hip muscles are strong. Um, and that's an area that often is neglected by people as well as the gluteal muscles. So those three areas tend to be weak in general, and also because as 
as a country and society, we tend to do so much sitting these days on computers and driving and such that those are the muscles that tend to be weaker. And so we want to work on strengthening those um, so that the whole area around the hip and knee and all the way down to the floor can be strong enough so that the pressures on the joints are balanced. So working on those would be very important even before you start doing, you know, and increasing your time, the amount of time that you're, you know, walking or even if you can do some running. Um, because running isn't necessarily out of the question. If you have osteoarthritis, it depends on what you've done before. Um, it depends on, um, you know, your body weight, too, um, and how much you want to do running. So, and that's another reason that you want to be able to talk with an expert about that to see what's the best exercise for you to do. So, um, you know, depending how, on how strong you are and what your goals are and what you've done in the past, you know, you can plan out some short and long-term goals and, and again, how much and how dedicated you are to your home exercise program or your gym exercise program. Um, you know, you can lead a very active life as long as you're putting, you know, a regular time into your exercise program. So the bottom line is that exercise is the key word there and being consistent with it. So I want to actually stitch together a few things from what you just talked about, which is, you know, you're, you're mentioning exercise, and, and I want to talk about the effectiveness of that. You, you underlined its importance, but I can also understand um, how somebody who's feeling the pain or stiffness and who feels that because of that that their movement or exercise is is limited could see that as counterintuitive. You know, basically, um, I've got this pain or stiffness, and that's keeping me from moving. That's the problem, and the solution isn't more of the thing that I feel frustrated I can't do. Um, and that leads to things like, you know, America's got the opioid epidemic right now. Uh, in 2016, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released new guidelines recommending non-opioid approaches for the treatment of most chronic pain. And in those guidelines, they, they cited that there's high-quality evidence supporting exercise as part of a physical therapist treatment program for several conditions, and, and knee, and hip, knee and hip osteoarthritis are among those. And so I say all that to get here. It's, it's easy for somebody going through this to think, basically, I want something done to me. You know, I want you to give me a pill or give me this operation or, or do something magically to me to take this away. Um, but what you're talking about is how to properly diagnose active movement to basically be a partner in in getting in treating your own condition and and so um first of all um for physical therapists treating somebody like that how how do you get somebody to buy into that how do you get somebody to believe that basically more movement uh more exercise properly diagnosed is going to help uh help them with this problem how do you sort of make that shift great question um and it's not easy i will not tell a lie it's it's not easy because as you said it's it's part of what people see as the problem um that causes the pain i could say uh right here that i can understand completely because i have osteoarthritis and i spent my entire professional career with osteoarthritis and having to deal with it as a physical therapist and working with patients and having to make sure that I was strong enough 
so that I could move and lift and push and pull and not hurt myself um, as I was going through things. So it was of the utmost importance that I was strong enough um, so that I wouldn't hurt myself um, while I was working. And I also had to practice what I preached <laughs> to um, to everybody that I was working with as well. Um, I wouldn't have felt right if I was telling people to do something and then not doing it myself. Um, so, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. Um, I'd have to make sure that I was working out after work and keeping things stronger. You know, I felt at the time stronger than what the normal, quote-unquote, norm, normal person without an injury um, needed to do because of the problems that I had with osteoarthritis. So it was a challenge. Um, you know, everybody has challenges in different ways, and the osteoarthritis is one of those challenges. Um, and there are many other disease processes um, that have similar challenges. You know, as a, as a physical therapist, when you meet with a, a patient, you do an assessment or an evaluation of where they're at, um, going over their joint range of motion, strength of flexibility, you look at their balance, their proprioception, you know, where their joints are in space, how they can walk, you know, how they can function, how they're doing, you know, at home with their activities of daily living, if they have activities or sports. And that's where you usually kind of run into things, that people are limited in what they do for fun. Um, and that's where things have kind of gone downhill because of the osteoarthritis. You know, they'll say, well, I can't, you know, do the things with the, the kids that I used to do because I'm too sore or I can't go skiing or, you know, I, I can't do housework. Even though that's not fun, it's necessary to do. Um, you know, but, so there's all these limitations of things that they cannot do and, they have to be able to do that, and they have to be strong enough to do that. So there's there's a real goal and need to be able to complete those those tasks. And so it's very you know, goal oriented to try to get the strength and follow up with that. So if you can work within those guidelines with the the people that you're working with, it makes it much more um, attainable to say, okay, well, let's let's work on doing this and what do we need to work on strength-wise to be able to throw the ball with your son, um, you know, in a month. So there's a real, you know, tangible goal there. And then the other thing is that you have to be very careful of how you're doing the exercise. You know, you can't just you know, do the no pain, no gain type attitude. You have to, you know, kind of ramp up slowly, monitor um, how you're feeling with the exercises while you're doing it, you know, afterwards, like immediately afterwards, that night, the next day, 24 hours later, to make sure that it's the right amount of exercise. Um, the, the person has to learn to know their body so if they haven't known it, they need to start being aware of it um, so that they can monitor when they're out doing their exercises as well as doing their activities, you know, in the yard, with their family, with their friends. 
because not only their exercise, but all their activities that they do count as exercise, and they need to make sure that they're not overdoing it um, because that's where they'll get, you know, pain as well. Um, and they need to back off when it's time, otherwise their joints will talk to them and talking to them, you know, causing pain. And they, if they keep overdoing and keep causing that increased wear and tear, they'll just keep getting worse and worse. So they really have to pace themselves and learn to do that if they're going to get better. So they have to learn to pace. They need to make sure they're, they're practicing self-care um, and doing the right things. And once you learn that, then, you know, things get a little easier. It might not be what you want to do, but if you have the osteoarthritis, it's what you have to do if you want to be able to do, um, you know, windsurfing or skiing or any of those things that, that you like to do. You can't go all day like maybe you're used to, but you can go for a few hours and still have some fun. It's not all or nothing. You can still do some. Um, and making sure if it is sore, you know, putting some ice on it afterwards or having, you know, a soak in the tub, um, making sure you're doing your range of motion exercises, things like that. Because even something like going to the movies and sitting there without moving the knee um, can bother it. So because, the again, the joints like that motion. So when you're sitting there at the, the theater, move the knee back and forth so that it's not just sitting there without any movement. So that's sort of the physical therapy option, if you're, it, it, which is a great first resort. Um, but you did mention earlier, you know, uh, hip and knee replacements, and that surgical option is there. Um, so I just want to make sure people understand, too, the physical therapy component of that, um, because whether we're talking about potentially sort of a, a prehab or rehab approach, if you're going to go in for a full replacement, physical therapy is going to be involved there, too. Um, so what can people expect um, if they go the surgical route uh, for hip or knee OA? If you have hip or knee replacement, um, many times now they will do a prehab, which is really nice. Um, you will often go in and see a physical therapist beforehand. Sometimes they'll have um, a class where you'll go in ahead of time and they'll tell you about the surgery and about everything that will be happening, um, you know, in the hospital, what the surgery is like. You'll learn about the anatomy. Um, and it's, it's a very nice educational part so that you'll have m many fewer questions about what's happening. Um, knowledge is power, and so I think people are much more comfortable um, going through the surgery when they know more about it. Um, and so a lot of the, the hospitals and the doctors utilize this um, education beforehand um, in these, you know, small classes. Um, and sometimes it's a one-on-one -on -one education um, before the surgery. And so that is often part of it. Then the other part is what they call the prehab or prehabilitation where you go in for some physical therapy before your surgery, actually, and you learn exercises that you'll be doing after the surgery. You learn them beforehand. It's at a time when you're not recovering from surgery, so it's a little bit easier to learn the exercises. You get to work on your strength ahead of time, and so being stronger 
going into the surgery um, is a good thing, and so you're better prepared. And people do better if they're stronger ahead of time. Um, people like to be able to do the exercises beforehand. And then, you know, when you're a little bit groggy after surgery, um, you're not having to learn these exercises. You already know them. You're already a pro at them. And, um, you know, you just kind of pick up where you left off um, after the surgery. And so it depends on, you know, where you're having the surgery, um, the doctor, a number of different factors, you know, how long you would do that for. Some some people, they'll go in for a couple of visits and then just do them on their own. Some places, they'll have you go in for longer. So it, it's quite variable um, how that works. Um, and then rehabilitation after surgery, whether you're doing a total hip or a total knee, they will get you moving and doing exercises right away. There is no rest for the weary there. You want to get things moving and going um, ASAP because that's good for the hip and the knee and for the body. Um, movement is where it's at, um, and the body likes movement, so that's a good thing. And um, they'll get you up and moving, you know, that day. And it depends. You may use a walker or go right to crutches, depending on your age and, you know, how you're doing with things. But they will get you up and moving right away. And you want to be walking around as much as you can so that you can get those muscles moving, get the blood flowing. The therapist will come in and you'll work on range of motion, a big part for the knee rehabilitation to get your range of motion of the knee back. Um, the hip is usually a little bit easier to get that back. Um, and then you'll work on strength as well. In addition, you work on balance. After surgery, that's one thing that you lose is a little bit of your balance ability, and that's really important to get that back um, because you want to make sure that you're able to walk well. You want to make sure that um, there's no chance of a fall for you as well. So you really want to work on your balance, and then you'll work on your walking, your gait, and then any other types of exercises as well. So you'll get a full rehab program that you'll work on, um, you know, in the hospital, and then often depending on your state of health and, you know, where you're at, you may get some home PT, or you may go home, and then go to outpatient physical therapy. And then there may be some people who would go to a rehab facility um, in between there, depending. So that would be one other option. But in any case, you're getting, you know, continuous physical therapy until you're ready to do all of those exercises on your own. But one of the biggest things with all of it is to keep up your walking and stationary bike and I've been involved with what's called creaky joints. It's a group of people who have arthritis. Um, you can have osteoarthritis or any other type of arthritis, and it's in conjunction with the Global Healthy Living Foundation, and it's the largest online group 
of people with arthritis. And it's at creakyjoints.org. There was a recent research that was done who had or are having hip and knee um, total joint surgeries. And there were um, focus groups and roundtables, and people were able to talk about, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what they're looking for with these total joints. And it's all patient-centered research, which is great. So they're getting patients more involved with research, uh, which is just fabulous to get patient input um, more and more with this research. So it's a, it's a great organization to get involved with, and they have lots of information there regarding arthritis. And they also have what's called arthritis power, where you can keep track of all your symptoms, and it keeps it on a log online. So they have all sorts of great things there. And I'll just say the Arthritis Foundation has been around since 1948, I believe, and they have a huge number of tools and information, and they have things around the country all the time. And they have support groups locally and support groups online and runs, and you name it, they have it. So it's really nice to have all those resources these days. So we've talked a lot about uh, how key movement is to uh, for people who have arthritis to osteoarthritis for managing this or uh, preparing for surgery or recovering from surgery, whatever the case is. Um, we began this by talking about the prevalence of this. Let, let's end it by talking about prevention. Can people do things to prevent getting hip and knee osteoarthritis in the first place? Most definitely. And some of those are things that I have mentioned already. Things such as keeping strong, trying to keep your weight down is another thing. If your weight is higher or than it should be, your BMI is higher, then that will put more pressure on the joints and that can increase the wear and tear. You know, you're noticing pain around a joint, um, especially if it's something that's, you know, coming at the end of the day or if you're noticing it when you're just sitting still and it's it's getting worse over time, make sure you look into that because that would be something that might be the start of some osteoarthritis. So you want to make sure that you're starting to move more, make sure you've got good flexibility, strength, that you're not ignoring it, that you do take care of it. And it's always better to go to a professional, have them take a look at it, and even if it's just something minor, watch it and be mindful of it, do your exercises rather than let it go too far because with the osteoarthritis, you can't undo it. You can prevent it from getting worse by your exercises, but you cannot undo what's already been done there. So you really do want to make sure you're keeping an eye on it. Marianne Wilmar, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.